Welcome to this week's Breaking Up podcast episode. My name is Michaela. If you are listening for the first time, thank you so much for joining us. So this week's episode, I actually went to my Instagram um, story and asked for your help and opinion on what to chat about. I've been wanting to chat about my streams of revenue on my YouTube channel for a while. It's on my list of like YouTube videos to make. It will come out shortly. So this is definitely like a sneak peek. Um, but I also have like a pretty long list on my notes app of podcast episodes I would like to chat about eventually. Usually, depending on the week, I do have like a feeling where I'm like, ah, oh, this week, this just sounds right. Like I want to talk about this. But I wasn't quite sure for this week's episode. So I did an Instagram poll and oh my gosh, I have never had such a fine line like poll of like a tie. It was down to 49% versus like 51% of these two podcast episode ideas. So it was either my 16, well 15, but I recently counted my 16 streams of revenue or my daily morning non-negotiables like routine habits, you know, of like things that I have to do every single morning. And it was so interesting because you can see who votes for what. And I really thought it would help me and be like a very clear, I haven't done like an Instagram poll in a while, but when I first started my YouTube channel, I used to do it a lot. And it was always surprising and very clear what people preferred. But I was very surprised by like how on the on the fence or on the line this was. It was at 50-50 for a while too. But you know, my streams of revenue won by just a hair. So today we are going to chat finance. I'm actually really pumped because this is a topic that I love talking about. I love reading about. I love learning more about. And that's what really got me interested way back when, three, four years ago on expanding my revenue streams and really learning about that in my young 20s or I don't know, mid 20s at that point, I'm not sure. But um, I always loved watching finance YouTubers or people that were learning how to make money in unique ways. I always found super interesting and I loved the transparency that some creators on YouTube or TikTok or whatever platform I loved the transparency that they had on how they were earning money or ways that they started their businesses or, you know, how to make money in certain like different areas because I feel like more commonly for older generations, this was such a taboo topic, but in an educational sense, it's nice to learn what other people are doing so that you can expand yourself or realize what's even possible. And, you know, I learned a lot through YouTube videos in my early 20s of what other people in their 20s were doing to earn more money that helped me find ways to earn money, that helped me understand the value of a dollar or the value of a business or what it takes really to expand and the importance really of having as many revenue streams as you're able to or are comfortable to like handling. Because, you know, back in, again, the older generations, it was just so common to have that, like, 1960s life dream, American dream, American dream, whatever, like, where um, you would just work, like, a nine-to-five job your whole life and then, like, work up to a bonus or whatever and retire. Um, But specifically, I think with the turn of, like, 
well, the pandemic, I think that really showed us that no job is as secure as it may seem and that you should really try to cover cover your butt and make sure you've got some backup sources of cash somewhere. Um, and I really did learn through COVID and that experience that I need to make sure I'm making as much money as possible because no job is secure. So many people lost their jobs during the pandemic. Like even... And not even like being let go, but like having like restaurants shut down for months. You know, bartenders make great money, but you can't make great money if the restaurant is closed or whatever you do. I think we all went like, I think we just all learned, ooh, I should figure out a way to make money from home because this could happen. This has happened and it's scary. Um, And a lot of these revenue streams that I am, or a lot of these streams of revenue that I'm about to chat with you about really came to life, I think, during the pandemic or these last few years. Um, But it has been a big goal in my 20s to have as many streams of revenue as possible. And even today, I'm still trying to find ways to expand it because I firmly believe that the money is out there. It already exists. You just have to figure out a way that works for you to achieve it. And that is what birthed my motto of if you got it, monetize it. You know, I just believe that if you are good at something, there is a way to make money at it. So if you got it, if you got the skills to to cook or to dance or to sing or whatever you're passionate about, whatever you've got, because it's, you know, like if you got it, flaunt it. No, if you've got it, monetize it. Um, And with the rise of social media, you know, there's so many different platforms that allow you to earn money. I mean, even, I don't know, I don't think I've mentioned it in a podcast episode, but I recently mentioned it in a video that I filmed about how I've been on garden TikTok. Um, I'm so curious if anybody else is on Garden Talk, but I follow all these homestead um, TikTokers now that just harvest their garden with you, you know, it's and they make a full meal out of things that they've harvested out of their garden. And that's a prime example. These people have like millions of followers, millions of views, but that's a prime example of the that person loves to garden. They've got a huge gardening um space in their backyard. They love the homestead life. They love to cook. They love that lifestyle. They have found a way to monetize that and make money doing what they love. Um, So I totally do. And even like, yes, social media, TikTok in that situation, like is how they do it. But even if you love gardening and don't want to do a TikTok, like local farmers markets, um, Etsy's, Etsy shop, I don't know, that may be harder with fresh fruit, but there is a way to find it, like figure out how to make money doing what you love. And I spent a lot of time in my 20s honing in on that and figuring out what works for me. I also have big plans for my 30s too. Like this is truly just the beginning, but I don't think I would even be aware of all of this if it wasn't for YouTube and podcasts and people that I followed and listened to for advice. So I really hope that this helped or this will help. And I hope that it sparks some ideas for you um, because I don't think that like you have to be somebody special to do this. I think anybody can do it. Um, And like I said, I think a big part of it is mentality. But if you can think a thought, that thought already exists the thing that you thought exists because you thought it. Does that make sense? Like if if you think you can earn a hundred dollars, 
the money is already like the $100 is already out there so you can earn it you just have to figure out a way to get it I like Jen Sincero the author of you are a badass she phrases it so much better in her books but it's basically just the mindset that whatever you are manifesting already exists because you're able to think of it and manifest it and like because it's in your brain it's it's out there I don't know um but I totally think that is um what's the word not possible not plausible I accurate maybe accurate I totally think that's accurate with um streams of revenue where if you have the thought of like oh I love I I don't know I'm thinking of like a friend that I had who like loves yoga right and um she was like, I would love to be like a traveling yoga teacher someday and just travel the world, go to all these beautiful places and like teach yoga and get paid for it. Like that exists. You can totally make that happen and earn money from it doing what you love. So I know that was a really big rant, um, but I just want it to be very, very clear that um, it's possible and it's important in my opinion to have as many streams of revenue as possible because Someday, God forbid, if one of those streams dries up, you're going to be okay because you have other ones or you've, you know, you looked out for yourself. I think it can be really scary if you have just one source of income. What happens if, you know, the business gets shut down or you lose your job or you get an injury and can no longer, no longer perform at that job? It's just scary and anxiety inducing to think about. So, um, we're going to talk about my 16 streams of revenue today. I, actually, it might be 15. I wrote it all down and I do have 16 things written down, but one of them is not earning income at the moment, but it's up there as like, it will happen if that makes sense. So about 15 streams of revenue at the moment. Um, I'm actually really proud of myself now that I say that because a couple years ago, I posted a YouTube video about my 14 streams of revenue and I'm really proud that a couple of those streams of revenue that were listed at that time are no longer active, but I've still managed to somehow have more now. So that's really exciting and that is something to be proud of. Um, but yeah, that is what we're going to be chatting about today. But before we can get into that, it's time for the weekly update of things that have been going on this last week in my life. I hope everyone had an awesome week. Does it feel like July is just flying by for anybody else? It Like, we're in the heart of summer right now. I love it. I love it so much. Everything just screams summer. I go outside. I hear the birds. I smell the air. I know this is getting hippy-dippy, but, like, I feel the grass, and I'm like, oh, like, this feels like the middle of summer. It feels so good. Um, I know I'm going to blink, and it's going to have that August feeling soon, but... It is crazy how fast July is going by, and that makes me so sad. Um, but this last week of July, honestly, nothing major really happened. Um, Ashton and I had kind of like a one-day weekend this weekend just with like our plans and what is going on. Yeah, so when I think, like when we were saying like, oh, I had such a great weekend when we were saying goodbye this weekend, I had this thought of like, oh. I mean, day. Like, I literally just had one day with you, um, which is sad at times, but it is what it is with our schedules. Anyway, so for our one weekend day, Ashton and I did an escape room downtown. I thought I had a coupon for it, like a birthday coupon where you can play for free. Turns out that email coupon was for an escape room in LA, not here, but 
Either way, tickets are only like $30 each for an escape room. I feel like I remember them being so much more expensive when they first came out, but maybe the demand is just dwindling, so they've lowered prices. Either way, we were like, oh, that's nothing. We love escape rooms. They're so fun. I love the satisfying feeling of solving a puzzle and just like, I don't know, it does something in my brain. Like once we get into that escape room, I'm so happy. Like we're just walking around, touching everything. And like once you get into that headspace of like everything is intentional, everything here is a code, look for it. It's fun. So we did, um, oh, I forget the name of the business, but it's the escape room downtown on like Nicollet Mall in that strip area. Uh, we did, if you're from Minnesota, highly recommend. I do like that company. They have three escape room options and they're right in that restaurant area on Nicollet with like Barrio and that's the only restaurant I can think of right there because that's the only one I've been to but there's a lot of good places for like food and drinks if you want to get that before or after but anyway so we just went and we've actually done the dig escape room before and that was so fun that was more like archaeology like you're trying to find gold I think and that one is set up so it's like three separate rooms that you kind of like start or you go through um you know where like you're you start in this one small room but once you solve the puzzles you get to go into the second one it's very like chronological um but this time we did the apartment one which is literally just you're in an apartment and you're kind of solving all of the puzzles at the same time so that can be very challenging because you are starting to figure out like codes or you know, getting certain digits, but you you might not know what is going where. So we had to write down all the all the possible codes or places to put it and try a few. But I loved it. We got in there and immediately, you know, I'm checking the the Scrabble board that's on the coffee table. I'm turning over pillows. I'm looking at the bookcase, and it's so satisfying. Like I don't want to spoil this if somebody goes and does the apartment. But like one of the first things we realized is there was a book on the couch and we were like, doesn't a book go on a bookcase? So we put it on the bookcase and the bookcase opened and there was like a secret room back there. It's just, I don't know. Ashton and I both get so giddy over puzzles like that and codes and you know, it's so like there's some like when you know that something does something, I can't explain it, but you know, we are definitely escape room geeks and it's so satisfying when you get a puzzle right or when you escape and you're on such like an adrenaline rush and I like using my brain in that way of like solving escape room puzzles. So it was really fun and it's been a while since we've done one. So we made it out with three minutes to spare I'm pretty proud of ourselves. Um, it's also really satisfying because the employee at the escape room places usually advise like, you know, a certain amount of people for a certain puzzle or room or like which one's more challenging. But we have solved one of the mo more challenging ones at this place now. And that makes me so happy. We have one escape room left at this location. And then I was telling Ashton how we should go on like an escape room crawl across the Twin Cities because there are a lot of businesses that do their own escape rooms so could be fun um but we did that and then we got dinner at Tinto's after which is like this Mexican restaurant you know got some classic margs and chips and guac and all of that um so for a one-day weekend it was really nice and I had a great time um but beyond that this week I feel like I've really just 
had a ton of pool days and was trying my best to catch up on work. I am pretty overwhelmed right now with how much content I've been filming and, you know, I prefer to do a, a very chronological, like I film a video, edit it, get it posted, film another one and go through that cycle. Right now I've filmed like five or six videos and I'm editing them all and trying to figure out which one goes up first or some of them are brand sponsorships so I need to get them approved. Um, Today I finished one for a brand and I'm just waiting to hear back. I'm like terrified and I don't know why and I don't want to even jinx it by saying it out loud but I'm terrified that this brand is like ghosting me after I finish the video. Um, and I put in so much work. I was editing this video all week. It took a really long time. I was w working with like four hours of unedited footage that I got down to 40 minutes. Um, and I put all of my attention there because it was a brand deal with a deadline. And now they haven't gotten back to me. And I finished it. And I just, I'm like, what's going on? Because I'd like to get that posted and obviously would like to get paid. But um, I'm kind of stressed about it because if they don't get back to me, I need to quickly edit a different video to post this week so I don't miss a video posting day because I'm. it's very important to me to be consistent. But yeah, I feel very overwhelmed with how much content I have right now that I need to go through and edit and post just to catch up. Like I've got a room makeover video from June. It's the middle of July. I'm dying to get that up. I, once I get everything up, I don't, I don't know. I feel like this happens a lot. Um, in the summertime because I'm just naturally busier outside more have more plans and traveling But once I'm caught up again, it's gonna feel so great. My head just feels a little Fumbled and overwhelmed right now, but I've spent a lot of time this week just editing just staring at my laptop in silence um, but I always try to spend at least like an hour a day outside or at least try to make it to yoga or meet up with a friend in the evening balance is so important oh i did get happy hour with my friend chelsea yesterday so that was really good i've been dying for some girl time like girlfriend i mean you know like girl time like with your bestie i've been dying for that and i have been like reaching out to so many people these last few weeks and it's just been like impossible to find something that works but you know i feel like i've mentioned this before but I spend most of my time alone if I'm not with Ashton, just with the nature of what I do. I'm home by myself working. And for a lot of people, home is one of the few times they get to spend time alone if they work in, in an environment with other people. Um, they're not necessarily like going out of their way to make plans so that they have human interaction. But I feel like I'm constantly trying to make plans so that I have human interaction and I don't go crazy or I don't spend six days home alone um, or I don't pile on stuff onto my partner Ashton when really I just need to like chat with a girlfriend about it for a few hours. Um, and I, you know, it's summer and I just want to have like patio season and Happy hour usually only exists Mondays through Fridays, but with Ashton's work schedule, we just, that's something we'll never get to experience together because he's working, you know, during those hours. So I've just been desperately trying to find people to like go to happy hour with me. Um, I really am obsessed with this like happy hour near my house. I feel like I can't say more than that, but let me just say, because I don't want to give away my location. 
they have the best happy hour. Like $5 beer here is pretty cheap for like a 16 ounce, but they have $2 off all their beers during happy hour. They've got awesome discounted food. They have my favorite summer beer right now, which is like this Mexican margarita type of beer with like a chili rim. Oh my God, it's so good. Um, yeah, so luckily I was able to get finally get some girl time yesterday, which felt so great just to like have somebody to talk to and like hang out with and like get a drink with. I know it sounds so simple, but maybe the excitement that I'm sharing right now kind of just shows you how badly I've needed that and craved it and tried to find that. Um, but yeah, it's like been kind of tough to make plans lately. I know everyone is just dealing with their own stuff, but um, yeah, so besides that, that's pretty much been my week. Oh, Speak Now Taylor's version came out last weekend. That, I have a lot of things to say about that. Um, all good things, especially about the Kansas City shows. Um, but I know not everyone is the biggest Taylor Swift fan, so I'm going to save that for the very end of this podcast. That way, you can just kind of exit out if you don't want to hear me talk obsessively about Speak Now and the Kansas City shows. But if you do want to hear about it, stay until the end and we'll just chat Taylor and Speak Now for a solid couple minutes or however long I want to talk about it. But that was my week. I hope everyone had an awesome weekend. Now into the streams of revenue. This episode is brought to you by Banish Skincare. I've been using Banish products for almost two years now, and my skin is forever changed. Banish uses natural, clean, and fresh ingredients that make your skin glow, clears up blemishes, reduces redness, and aging. Not only that, but Banish has an at-home micro-needling treatment that has truly changed my skin and has brightened my face. It's reduced acne scars, and it's helped reduce acne in general. This is not just an ad to me, but I recommend Banish to everyone. It's the only skincare company I will use and have used for years. They have this awesome vitamin C moisturizer that I put on my face every night and every morning, and oil serum to use after microneedling that helps moisturize the face and reduce redness. There's a mint cleanser that feels so good on your pores, a fresh pumpkin enzyme mask, and most recently released an awesome sunscreen moisturizer with 30 SPF. And they also have an anti-aging retinol serum that I love to use before bed. What's awesome is you can get a lot of these products in a bundle that allows you to save money, or you can purchase them individually, but no matter what, try out Banish today. I have an affiliate link in the description um, of this episode, as well as a discount code for you, so use code Michaela 10 at checkout. That's Michaela 10 in all caps for 10% off. I promise you, you won't regret it. If you got it, monetize it has been my mantra since 2020, and I firmly stand by it. If you have a talent, skill, or something that you are good at, you can monetize it. And I really do believe that there is a way to make money doing what you love. Check out my new merch on my spring shop linked below to rep your passion today and a stylish and cozy hoodie with the motivating reminder of if you got it, monetize it. This is perfect for small business owners, self-employed creators, anybody that is monetizing what they've got. I think you'll love this collection. And to say thank you to my listeners, use code PODCAST in all caps for 10% off. That's PODCAST at checkout linked below. All right, time to chat. 
my streams of revenue. So like I mentioned, I've made a list. The list is in my budget journal, kind of like as a motivating reminder as to all the ways I'm earning income, all the ways I'd like to earn income and there's space. So like on this piece of paper with the hopes of adding more streams of revenue as time goes on, as I figure it out. But it's really nice to have this to kind of like reference and look at and remind myself of like everything that's going on. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, I'm always just so curious what streams of revenue other people have, especially those that I look up to or see as successful. I'm always like, okay, how are they doing it? What are they doing behind the scenes? Where is that income coming from? And it's really cool to kind of see what people have made work for themselves. So again, I think all of these are pretty specific to what I enjoy doing or what works for me, but I totally think it's possible and if there's something that sticks out to you um, that you want to give a chance or try totally try it out highly recommend and a lot of them end up like kind of going with one another like my streams of revenue some kind of like bounce off of one another which is awesome when you strike that like with your own revenue if you find something that earns money find a way to make money off of what's making money and just expand and go from there um but I've organized it with my first thing on my list being what brings in the most money to the last thing being what brings in, the, well, sort of, what brings in the least. Would that be? Yeah, I guess that would be the least amount. Um, some of these do vary month to month, week to week, quarter to quarter. So, you know, there is some things that are, there are some things that are shifting. But for the most part, you know, these first couple of things that I will mention are my top streams of income um, that... I make the most from and then it kind of slowly just goes from there um but yeah i hope you find some inspo inspo and i hope that this encourages you to put yourself out there especially if you were like a creative type i don't know i'm sure you're frustrated by how long i've dragged this out so i won't chat any longer um we can just get right on into this list so the first thing on my list number one probably the longest stream of revenue that i've I have on this list is, of course, YouTube. I've been making YouTube videos since 2015, and it's 2023 now. And back then, you didn't have to have a minimum amount of subscribers or views in order to monetize your channel. You could just monetize it immediately. Um, and I still remember when I made like my first 10 cents, and it was so exciting because, you know, like. I earned that and I was proud of it. And I think having that attitude going into something is going to make the biggest difference because somebody could see that and be like, yeah, that's a dime, like whatever. But I was so, it's like when you hang a dollar in your business as being like the first dollar that you made, like it's a symbol of something and you're proud of it. And it was so crazy to me that I could post videos and make money doing that. Like this was still early on in the YouTube era. And actually, I think this was probably, in my opinion, like the peak time for YouTubers because it was the biggest platform. Um, and then that's probably what got me to eventually make my channel because I really um, want, sorry, I keep getting texts from Ashton. Um, he's buying a suit right now for a wedding that we're going to in a few weeks. And I feel bad because I told him I'm recording the podcast episode, but in the corner of my laptop screen I keep seeing these texts come in um with suit questions but I have a little bit of like an ADHD mind sometimes I think I've never been looked into or diagnosed but I do notice that with myself anyway 
YouTube. Um, yeah, having that mindset of like being proud of making money. Um, I will say it took me a while with YouTube um, before I started earning monthly income from it. I think I, it was probably around 2018 where I was getting a check monthly because you have to hit, I think it's $100 minimum to have a payout. So it took me a little bit before I was making at least $100 a month. But then once I started getting that monthly payout, it was really nice just to have as additional income. And then it was 20... Um, or you know what? It was 2016 when I started getting monthly... Was it 2017? I was in college at the U. I guess it doesn't really matter. But I do remember in 2019 was when I decided to do YouTube full-time. So I was making at least enough to cover rent at that point, um, but I was also door dashing and babysitting. So I had to have been making like 400 or $500 a month off of YouTube at that point. But either way, I've been monetizing and earning income off of YouTube the longest. And right now that and my second form of income, I think kind of like bounce between bringing in the most each month, but YouTube is definitely a big part of my income and something that I'm really proud of. And it's so exciting, but sometimes scary because you have these moments of dips where you could make a great decent paycheck one month, but YouTube is not what it used to be. And sometimes the income really dips and it can be really scary um, because you're not making enough sometimes um, to cover what you need. But that's why I've got like 14 other streams of revenue the second stream of income, you can probably guess, is OnlyFans. I've been doing OnlyFans since 2020, and for a while, this was definitely my top um, stream of income. Sometimes it still is, like I said, YouTube and that are kind of tied up first. But yeah, really great blessing. Nothing more to say about that one, but my third and fourth stream of income kind of go off of OnlyFans, so my third stream of income is actually OnlyFans referrals. So Whenever somebody uses my referral link to create an OnlyFans account, I receive 5% of what they're making for a year. And it's not coming out of their income. It's coming out of the 20% that OnlyFans takes out. So OnlyFans as a business only receive 15% in this case, and I would get the remaining five. Um, this is a really great form of passive income in a way, but it does also really freaking suck that it's just for one year or up to one million dollars and that is because um of some drama that happened in 2020 with OnlyFans where somebody came out and made videos about how much money she was making off of Trisha Paytas's OnlyFans because Trisha Paytas signed up underneath this girl's referral and then Trisha did not like that the girl was exposing that amount or sharing that income and like she, I can't remember exactly, but it was somebody like that, that Trisha complained to OnlyFans or something, and then they changed their referral program details. So now that it, it like ends after a year, which really sucks because, oh my God, I just know I would be completely fine in life if that never expired. But really, really big bummer that the referral program has an expiration date. I honestly think this hurts the company more so than it protects it because OnlyFans hit a peak and that's when I was making the most off of OnlyFans, like referrals, but now that the peak is gone, less people are signing up 
referrals are down. Everything's down. I don't know. I just, ugh, whatever. But I do still make a decent amount off of OnlyFans referrals per month, which is awesome. And it's great when I make more off of referrals because I know that that means other creators had a great month because I'm making more off of the 5%. But then it sucks when like I don't make as much because I know other creators are struggling to make that much that month too. It's kind of reassuring as a creator on the platform because if I'm having an off month where everything is kind of low and down and I'm not earning as much, um, but then I look at my referrals and I see that they're also not making as much, I'm like, oh, okay, it's not just me. Um, it's just like a dip right now or the economy or the time of year, who knows. Um, but this is a really nice form of passive income for me. The fourth stream of income that I have off of OnlyFans again um, and that's what I was saying about how some of these, you know, if you are really striking gold, find a way to make more money from it. Um, so I also offer OnlyFans promos and then OnlyFans Zoom calls as well. So I make money doing promos on my account. Um, and then another form of income would be people that sign up for a Zoom consultation with me, other creators that are just getting started or would like some advice or guidance or have questions. I do like consultations as well. I also, um, I actually have one tomorrow evening. But yeah, if you are also a creator and are curious about either of those, definitely hit me up on Instagram or Twitter or email me and we can chat details. But those are also great little boosts each month. They vary so much. Some months I make enough to like cover my mortgage off of that. And some months I it's like just a nice little bonus. Yeah, it really does vary. So again, that's why it's so nice to have so many other streams of revenue just to make sure I'll be okay. But the next stream of revenue, so if that was, I have it written as like fourth stream of revenue is both of those, but technically fourth could be promos, fifth stream of revenue could be Zoom calls. So I'm going to do that um, and go off of that number. The sixth stream of revenue that I have is actually my Amazon storefront. Yesterday was Prime Day, so I'm actually really hoping that that gives me a nice boost. At this point, I'm sure everyone is very familiar with Amazon affiliate links, but a lot of different brands, companies on Amazon have different commission rates ranging from like a couple percent to like 10, 15, 20% commission. Um, but a lot of people will link anything and everything they can from Amazon because even if you don't use or even if you don't buy what you click on in a link, if you click on that link and then buy something else, we still make commission off of it. So that's why it's so crucial to get that link out everywhere. And I'm pretty sure it's really easy to get accepted into the affiliate program. I was actually against it for a while. I didn't understand it. I thought it was dumb, whatever. This was like in 2022, right before the, co the pandemic hit. And my mother was actually the one that was like, you need to get one. You should sign up. You never know. And I reluctantly listened to her. And then that first month that I made it, I made over $1,000 off of it. And that's when I realized that affiliate links are where it's at. So, um, but that being said, I don't think it was that hard to be approved. And then once you are, just link everything. Even like when I sent my mom a list of things I wanted for my birthday this year, I sent her the affiliate link. I made some money off of it. Um, and with my partner, Ashton, he orders a lot of stuff for his tattoo shop. So I will, if I remember, if he remembers, 
I will try to send him an Amazon link so that he can purchase it through my affiliate link and I can make a percentage of it. Um, but the reason I say it's like not that hard to sign up is because I want you to understand that I'm pretty sure like anybody can do this and you don't have to have a large following. Sure, it helps, but like even if you're just on your own Instagram and you got like a cute thing from Amazon, drop the link. Someone will click on it. Um, you know, like I was saying, I send links to my family and friends all the time. If I know someone's buying something from Amazon, if you are in my life and you're going to buy something from Amazon, shoot me a text and I'll send over the link so that we can, I can get a percentage. Um, yeah, so that really helps. Again, it does vary so much depending on the month. And some months I don't make anything. It just depends. But hopefully with Prime Day yesterday, I'll make some money. We'll see. It's kind of like a hit or miss there. But off of that, number seven is just affiliates in general. I have so many different affiliates that I'm a part of because for most brand deals, they'll offer it with their product. Um, so as I'm sure you're familiar with, I talk about them all the time. Banish Skincare is one of my top affiliates. They're awesome. I love the company. I have worked with them for two years now and I've used their products for two years. And the reason that we work together is simply because I've used their products and fell in love with them and really did see a big change in my skin. I struggled so much with adult acne. Um, I was so stressed. I think like moving into this house caused a lot of it. And like my diet was so much poorer back then. I was like drinking a lot of like dairy or eating a lot of cheese and dairy is so bad for your face. So I was breaking out a lot and I know diet and water plays a part, but skincare as well. And Banish sent over a gift PR package. I started using the products and like immediately my skin cleared up. And I'm not just saying that, like the micro needling treatment that I started doing at home with their product makes a really big difference because there's science behind it. Like the microneedling speeds up the collagen process in your face because you're basically giving yourself a ton of tiny little pricks and scars, but it makes the skin recognize that it has a prick and is like, oh, we've got to like make more skin, like <laughs> heal it. But by doing that, you're glowing. Like your skin texture gets really soft because you have a new layer of skin coming in. Um, yeah, so I love Banish so much and their affiliate link is pretty awesome. So I will link it down below. Like highly, highly recommend you try it out at some point. Um, hey Happiness Jewelry is another big affiliates that I try to link a lot because my butterfly necklace that I wear every single day is from them as well as my gold hoop earrings. So, you know, whatever I'm wearing, I just try to link and luckily it's affiliates. So you never know. I think, um, when my friend Chelsea had her wedding last summer, she used my affiliate link to buy all the bridesmaids like earrings off of that website. So that was really nice. And then, yeah, like my glasses that I wear, there's an affiliate link for those. So um, very random. Like I've got a bookmark on my um, Chrome of like all the affiliates to log into. And none of them are like striking gold by any way, but it might be like 20, 50, a couple hundred in there. So collectively, like it's really nice. But yeah, I have a lot of different affiliate programs coming and going all the time. Going off of that, um, the next thing on my list, number eight, what's better than an affiliate program? A paid brand deal. So this is when 
like you strike gold a little bit with content creation because not every single company will offer you a paid brand deal. Sometimes they're like, oh, well, we don't have the budget for it, but we have an affiliate program. Um, but brand deals are obviously part of my streams of revenue. Um, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. The rates for this vary and the frequency of it does as well. Sometimes I can go through a pretty rough dry spell where there just aren't a lot of campaigns or companies that are looking to collaborate with you um, and then you're stuck. Like you're just, that's where like the big money usually is, but it's not consistent unless you're, you're very well, like well known online um and that's not me (laughs) so but right now in the middle of summer i don't know what's going on from the marketing side but there are so many campaigns so many brand deals coming in um that it's been really nice and i've noticed this you know in winter obviously with the holidays and i guess in summer i don't know maybe back to school fall season coming up there's a lot of campaigns dropping um i feel like i'm not allowed to say too much because I don't know if it's confidential, but recently a pretty big clothing company that I shop at and have a rewards program for emailed me with one of their pretty well-known collections that I also have a lot of pieces from asking me about a campaign for their fall collection with a pretty big budget. So I really hope that that follows through because that would be so cool to work for them. But yeah, every once in a while it makes for a really great paycheck, but I just wish it was like more consistent, Um, but it's just really nice to get some, you know, here and there for YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Um, Number nine, my merch. So I do have merch. If you got it, monetize it. And then I think I used to have, I wonder if my podcast merch is still up. 2020 definitely was like the peak, I think, for my merchandise. Um, But it's still there and it's still really freaking cute. I just relaunched a podcast um, or not podcast, if you got it, monetize it line this year, very minimal, small text, cute, um, black or white color options with small text. I just feel like that design, like the first one I did with all the pastels and like wavy text, so cute for its time. Definitely very like visco girl era, but now, you know, we're in our CEO eras. Actually, that's cute. Oh, I should make that merch in my CEO era. That's so fun. I might make that. If it is, I'll make it available next week and we can do like a podcast launch of it. But yeah, I do make a small percentage of my revenue from my merchandise. Again, like this just changes so much, but I try to have it there because you never know. Like just have it available as an option. You never know when you're going to strike gold. So I've got merch. Obviously, I also have my podcast. So number 10 on my list is this podcast. I don't obviously do the podcast for the money. I think it'd be really hard to make this work if I was just in it for a paycheck because one thing is the paycheck's not that huge. And then two is I don't think I would be this consistent and passionate and in love with filming and editing and uploading these podcast episodes if I didn't love it. Like you really do have to love it. But it's really amazing when you're able to make money doing something you love. And it's just so cool, I think, seeing how much you can earn off of, like, doing something like this. Um, I, I feel like I have to, to work my way back up right now with my income on my podcast. So, for season one, 
I think the most I made was like $50 one month, but that's like a great, that pays like my Wi-Fi bill, you know, like that's awesome. Right now, I will be completely transparent with you and tell you that um, my podcast makes about $10 to $15 a month. And again, I don't do it for the money, but it's such a cool bonus. And that is like a happy hour drink or I'm not drink like bill or no matter what, like it still helps. Um, And you never know too, like maybe I'll get a podcast brand deal someday or, you know, like I make my own ads for my podcast and maybe one of my episodes will just like get a ton more listens than the other and spike the income. Like you never know. Put out whatever art you have out into the universe, out into the world. Who knows what could happen? Um, Number 11 on my list is tarot readings. So I offer tarot readings. If you are ever curious, just shoot me a DM on Instagram and I'll tell you all the details. But sometimes I get a handful at once. Sometimes I don't get an inquiry for a reading in a few months. So it does vary, but I've got three tiers when it comes to my readings. So one of the options is $30, one is $50, and one is $75. It depends on the tools used as well as the time length of your reading and how specific you want to get. Um, But last week, for example, I got two readings booked and it was a $50 one and a $30 one. So it was $80. Like that's awesome. And this one specifically, you cannot do just for the money. However, it is time and it takes a lot of energy put out there to get these messages. So, you know, it is like, I do feel like I need to be compensated for that because it's energy draining afterward. Like I put in so much for this reading that afterwards I am left feeling like tired from it, but I love it. Like one of my favorite things to do is receive these messages for someone that is looking for guidance or hope. And it's so cool when it resonates and they're able to tell you like afterwards, like what, because it like, it feels very one-sided when I do a reading. So I, I do it in a way where like I record myself and I send it over to you and like give you pictures and whatever so that you have the video forever. So if anything resonated, if I said anything about like six months or a year from now, you can look back at it and see how accurate it was. But when I'm doing the reading, sometimes these messages will pop up and I won't know what it means or like if it does connect to you. Um, This one reading I did last week though, I kept getting like a certain phrase and I kept saying it or feeling like a certain timeline and she was able to confirm it all or I like certain zodiac signs that pop up like there's an Aries in your life and she's like yes yes like my partner is one like that type of like confirmation is crazy to me I kept getting a lot of black cat symbolism in my cards and sticking out to me where I was like I don't know if that means anything to you but like I'm seeing a lot of black cats and she literally I I don't want to like give away one of her nicknames people call her a name I don't want to give away my client's name now that I'm saying this out loud, but one of her nicknames is literally like a nickname for a cat that is like means cat. And like she has a cat and like some, her mom literally, I got sunflowers for one card too. And she said her mom just gave her sunflowers and they're in her kitchen. So like, it's so cool to me when they confirm that something that came to me is like resonating because I, I get these messages and I can feel them, but having them validated makes me so happy when someone confirms that it like speaks to them um but she couldn't believe like how accurate it was and that just makes me so happy because i do 
firmly have this gift and I feel it and there are things that I know that I can't explain how I know I just know and it's really cool to connect with people and be able to like channel their energy and give them these messages that they're looking for so I love giving readings um and it's really cool that I'm able to kind of like monetize that a little bit because if you got it monetize it oh that was weird sorry I thought I heard a noise I swear I just heard a voice. Okay, let's move on to another topic because maybe I'm hearing things because we're talking about tarot readings. Um, it was like in my ear, like a whisper. Oh, I'm so scared. I don't even want to listen back to this audio in case the audio picked it up. Um, number 12 on my list. I don't know why I wrote this for number 12 unless this was at the end of my list at the time. It might have been. Um, because it's not monetized yet, but I know the potential is there, and that is my Medium account. Medium is kind of like an online writing website platform where you can write articles and then be able to monetize it. So it's like the written version of YouTube or a blog or Instagram pictures, except instead of videos, it's articles. And it's kind of like, it reminds me of like New York Times or The New Yorker. Like it's very much kind of like that style not style but like aesthetically I feel like the website is kind of looking oh maybe it's like a newspaper print it's all very black and white um but I know the the possibility of earning income is there because if you pass the requirements to monetize your articles and then one of your articles gets a lot of reads you get paid for it like an rpm and um, I got this idea from Shelby Church on YouTube because she tried it for a video a few years ago and made five figures in like a month doing it. So I know it's possible. However, now I think because of the popularity over the years, similar to YouTube, you have to have 100 followers on it at least and then a certain amount of articles up before you can monetize it. And one of my articles that is up recently has gotten some traction and it's recently gained me a lot of new followers so I'm getting really close to 100 and then once I'm there I can monetize my writing and I love to write articles aren't necessarily my favorite form of writing like I definitely love prose nonfiction, poetry and that's where the passion is but I know that I can do it and I enjoy that time actually like typing and writing um so it would be really cool if I was able to expand and have that as another stream of revenue because, again, you never know, you might strike gold there as well. Um, number 13 on my list is TikTok. This is one of my newer platforms that I recently was able to monetize. I believe I hit the minimum requirements on there in January of this year, needed to join the Creator Fund, and since then I've made about $230. Um, so it's been really nice as like a bonus, but if any video ever goes viral, gets a few million views, that's where the money is. That's where I've made most of the 200 bucks is off of the ones that blew up. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm shadow banned or something on TikTok right now because my views on my videos for the last few months have been so low. It doesn't even make sense. Like I feel like they're just not hitting the For You pages as well as before but it's been a while since I've had one really pop off but when one does pop off I get a nice little bonus check and it's just again a nice platform to be able to monetize and that's the thing you don't have to like necessarily have all these streams like bringing in the cash every single month but 
having them open, having the possibility there, just putting everything out there that you can because you never know is I think most important because you're like kind of like giving yourself with open arms to the universe being like, okay, I did it. Like I put in the work and then with karma and just natural cycles of like giving and receiving, what you put out there will come back to you. So, and I do really believe in that. Um, number 14 on my list is my Etsy shop. So I recently opened this this year as well when I was trying to think of new streams of revenue to like in- expand um, digital formatted prints on Etsy. You don't have to like be crafty with your hands. You just have to make something that people can download, whether it's a, a phone background, a desktop background, a digital planner, um, a calendar, like And what's cool about this is it's infinite amount of product. So people can download it as many times as they want. You're never going to run out. You don't have to remake it. This is a really awesome way to have kind of like a more passive form of income eventually after you've already like made the prints. So I shared my journal layouts for the year. And when I was making my journal, I had the thought of like, what if I made this digitally, like made a digital version? So if people like the way that I journal... They can download a digital format for them. And I did this with my manifestation journal and my 2023 journal. I've got the moon calendar there. I've got a manifestation page. Um, I've got a print, like a page for books that you've read that year. All of it is there and it's like a couple bucks. So I think I've had like a couple, like one purchase. But again, like if I didn't put that art out there, I wouldn't even have had that one purchase. So it's really just there in case anybody really likes my formatting of journal journaling and just wants to duplicate it or wants a digital version of it. It's there if you need it. I'm not like promoting it a ton, but it is there. Um, number 15. Oh, wait, I have that down twice. 15 is TikTok creator fund. So never mind. Um, number. Oh, no, I fixed it because there's a doubling in numbers. My bad. Anyway, number 15 and 16 have to do with investing. Um, So number, or no, just number 15, my bad. It's getting late. Um, Number 15 is dividends. So when you invest in the stock market, you make a small portion of what the company that you invested in made during that quarter. So if you have shares in Target and Target made a certain amount of money, you're gonna make a percentage that reflects how many shares you have per quarter. Um, for example, or just for a bit of context, I think I have about 10 shares of Target and I make about four to five dollars a quarter and then I reinvest it so I have more shares and then I make more each quarter. Um, I'm basically just putting money that I made in the stock market back into the into the stock market to make more. But dividends is a really awesome form of passive income, especially if you are investing in like a ton, like and not every single share of like um, a company or stock will have dividends. Definitely something to look into. I think my top dividend um, dividends come from like Pepsi, Coca-Cola, Target, Disney, Apple. Um, I feel like there's a couple others, but those ones I usually notice the most when I log into my investing account. <clears throat> Whoa, investing accounts. Um, Yeah, but I don't really like cash them out and spend that money. I put it right back into the stock market so I have more money to make more money. That's the ultimate goal, right? To have your money make money. This is how to do it. You don't have to like 
be crazy rich to start. You don't have to like be a finance bro to get it. I think it's very, I wish I knew more about investing when I started learning about it at 24 because at 24, I regretted not starting at 18. So I've got an individual account, which I kind of use for fun, which I mean, and what I mean by that is I might buy and sell shares more frequently. I might mess around with it a bit. I might take some more chances. Um, You are charged on interest or tax if you cash out for an individual, but I also have a Roth IRA, which is my retirement fund because I don't have a company or employer that's giving me one. I have to make my own. And with your Roth IRA, you're not like, you don't, you get every single penny when you cash out for retirement. You don't have to pay a certain amount of tax. You don't have like a portion of it removed. You get all of it. Um, but the the catch is you don't get it till you hit a retirement age bracket. Um, so my more serious investing I put into my Roth IRA, the companies that I don't see going anywhere for a long time, the shares that I want to hold on to for decades, that's where I invest in. But I'm still making dividends and then those dividends are being sold or I'm using that to buy more shares and then making more. So I do make um, a couple hundred a year off of dividends in my individual, I think like 400 or 500, and then more than that for my retirement. I'm unsure because I haven't really checked that one in a while, but this is like a prime example of where to put your money to have your money make money. Um, And there, I recommend if you're overwhelmed or confused on how to get started with like investing or you just feel like the stock market is confusing and you like I was right there with you um four years ago Andrew Zik on YouTube his last name is like J-I-C-H-K or something like that he'll pop up like if you just do Andrew and then guess I've learned the most from his videos I think he is very straightforward he's got a ton on the topic and he helps everyone so if you're looking for someone to learn kind of how to get started with investing, I highly recommend checking out Andrew Jick. He's awesome. Um, And if you don't have a Robinhood account yet, I might as well just link mine down below. I've got a referral link for you, so you'll get one free share if you sign up with my account. This is basically free money. I think it's like up to five, I can't remember because they change it all the time. Sometimes it's like up to $200 or an Apple share, whatever it is no catch. It's literally free money for using my sign up. Um, Same for like, oh my gosh, if you have like cash up or Venmo and someone that you're about to Venmo or cash up is like, oh, let me just make an account real quick. Girl, send over that referral. Be like, oh wait, let me send you my sign up link because you both get five bucks. Yeah, it's five bucks, but that's like $10 that the app just gave you um, that you can like buy yourself a drink with. Like every penny counts and I've always lived like that. So um yeah dividends are great sign up referral if you want to start sign up oh my gosh I cannot talk at this point in the evening if you want to sign up for Robinhood, I will leave my link in the description box for you of this podcast episode so you can get your free share um and then the last thing on my list number 16 is um my high interest savings account interest that I accrue every single month. That is another That is another passive form of income that I receive. So I learned about this when I was saving for a house, but opening a high interest savings account with an interest rate of sometimes up to 1%, like 
is so different than the interest rate that you have in your checkings account or even just a traditional savings account. I think I get like literally 19 or like 50 cents of interest a month in my checkings account. High interest account, high interest savings account, um, if it's 1%, so when I was saving for a house, I had, um, I set aside, I guess I'll just say it because I'm pretty sure I've already said this in my YouTube videos about saving for a house, um, but keep in mind this was like when OnlyFans money was like really good. I saved 150k for buying a house and I put it into this high interest savings account with a 1% interest rate. So every single month with 150,000, 1% of interest is $1,500, which is wild. Did I do that right? That does not seem right. That's so much. Yeah, no, because that would be 10%. That's 1%, right? That's how wild it is because of a high interest savings. Um, or even like if you have $5,000 in your savings account, that's $50 a month of interest that you would be accumulating, which is amazing. That's so much better than like the cents that you're getting in your um, checking account. Um, I don't really want to give away my bank that I use. I feel like that is a little too specific. But if you just Google high interest savings accounts on online and do some research and find one with an interest rate that works well for you, highly recommend looking into that because I, I've i made a handful off of just like, again, money making money. And even if you set aside a certain amount of money as your savings, it will do you so much more like good if you put it into a high interest savings account and allowed your money to make money. But those are all of my current streams of revenue. I hope this was interesting and educational and hopefully like motivating to listen to. Um, I feel like I gave out a lot of information all at once, but should we do an update on Ashton's suit that he was buying? Because I have six unread messages from him in the time that I was recording this and pictures. Let's see. I know he was like overwhelmed. We were both overwhelmed with like what color to wear and like, I don't know. It's a big deal. So, oh, he sent me so many pictures. Um, okay. So we bought this one outfit from Express. It's like a sage green jacket blazer suit thing. Cause my dress for this wedding is a beautiful, like light, light sage green with florals. So, you know, we want to make the green work. So he got this like darker green suit jacket to wear. I don't know if you heard that, but that was Luna sneezing. <laughs> um, we got it last two weekends ago for the wedding. Anyway, he's trying them on. He says it feels too big now. He's got it on with dress pants. Then he sent another picture with different pants. Is this interesting to anybody? I think for the, for the shirt underneath the, the green jacket, it's like white with these brown floral patterns. Like I love, I love a man in floral, like embroidery and little flowers, like cottage. Think about the, the, the companion to like a cottage, a cottage core girl. That's the vibe. 
honestly, I think it looks really good. But let's see what he said about this pick. Um, suit jacket two, too big. I'm back to square one. Okay, so now we've got pictures from Ralph Lauren. It's sage. Oh, he sent me a picture of a sage suit. Honestly, that could be cute. Oh, I do feel bad because I can tell he's like really overwhelmed and stressed with what to wear to this wedding in like three weeks. But I understand like especially helping him try to find an outfit. It's like hard to shop for like a men's wedding outfit dresses you have so much more freedom especially when your girlfriend is like it's got to be green <laughs> not really but like i mean i told him he can wear whatever he wants but i think green tan beige anything that looks great next to green i don't know it's a little overwhelming we also have to like travel for it as well so we have to like make sure that everything is like good to go shoes i know he's like stressed about that i need to reply to these um yeah, I can tell he's overwhelmed and stressed trying on half his closet. Oh, poor baby. Anyway, um, let's move on. I mean, <laughs> I <laughs> that sounds so heartless when I'm like, oh, I feel bad. Anyway, <laughs> but I'm going to respond after I finish this podcast episode. But let's move on to the TV shows, movies, and Taylor Swift of the week. Um, at the end of my podcast episodes, I love to chat about what TV shows and movies I've been watching this week or books and all of that. Oh, I've got some book updates too. Um, but I watched two films this week with Ashton. So we watched The Outlaws on Netflix. It's that new movie with Adam Devine and Nina Dobrev. I almost said Dobrik. Oh my God. Um, it was like number one on Netflix when it first came out. Does anybody feel like there hasn't been a good comedy since like the age of bridesmaids and pitch perfect i feel like comedies just don't hit anymore they're not funny like it, it was fine for 2023 comedy but it wasn't like good i guess i don't know maybe i'm being a harsh critic but i just think the comedies that come out now suck like they're never good unless you have a really good comedy that recently came out let me know and i'll i'll watch it but we watched that one night and it was whatever and then we found this movie the next night to watch called The Clove Hitch Killer. We were really trying to find a good psychological thriller, something like Run, Rabbit, Run or Prisoners or some sort of good mystery, like Fractured, something with like a plot twist. So we were kind of on Google finding movies similar to the movies I just listed. And that's how we came ac across The Clove Hitch Killer. Now, this is available, I think, on like Amazon or Tubi. We watched it on Tubi for free. Um, honestly, it was pretty good. So the Clove Hitch Killer so is about, um, a, a son that starts to wonder if his dad might be a local serial killer. Um, and it kind of has, like, there were some parts of it where I was like, ooh, this reminds me of, like, Stranger Things because it's kids riding their bikes trying to solve a mystery. And it was really well done. I enjoyed it. It was, like, good for what it was. I will say the ending could have been a lot better. The ending kind of like ruined the film for me, but if you like a good like serial killer mystery like lore type of like catch the killer who done it movie and you want to watch it for free, I guess it was pretty good. Highly recommend. It came out in 2018. And then, like I said, you can watch it for free on Tubi. So, um, 
it's also like not scary at all. Like no jump scares, no gore, like pretty vanilla if you ask me for a serial killer movie, but it was it was great. Um I other than that haven't watched any movies this week. You know, I only really watch them when I'm with Ashton and then I've watched a couple episodes of Manifest if anyone is keeping up with my Manifest journey. I'm on season 3 now. I love it. I think that show has it all. It's a little bit of drama, like a drama show. It's it's like family wholesomeness. There are a lot of like scenes that make me kind of tear up or cry, but it's got its own jump scares. It's got its own like stuff that scares you because it's it feels supernatural in a way. Um, and I love the idea that everything is connected and, you know, like with my universe spirituality, like it, it really ties together, but it also is like kind of a mystery and you need to figure out how this happened or I don't know. I don't want to give away a plot, but the beginning of season three is so good. And I have a theory about how it's possible based on what they found in the ocean. I feel like it's from a different parallel universe. Like it's a piece of a universe like a different reality that slipped into the reality that they're in. I don't know yet, though, because I'm pretty early into it. But if you need a good show that, like, you can count on to have to watch for a while, I'd recommend Manifest. I am going to be sad when I finish it. Um, I also finished Firefly Lane. I feel like I've mentioned that I was really trying to soak that book up. Like, I was reading it slowly. I didn't want to, like exit that world because I got really attached to it when I watched the Netflix TV show. I don't know if this is because I watched the Netflix TV show first or if I actually believe this, but I do feel like the Netflix TV show was slightly better than the book. Don't come for me for that. It was still a really great book, but I feel like Netflix brought it to life in a way that the book wasn't able to do and I was definitely more attached to the characters and the plot in the TV show um, and again I don't know if that's just simply because it was a show and not a book but the book skims through years and plots that the the show really spent a lot of time on the book also changed a lot of things and you know I don't think I would have been that attached to their friendship if I had just read the book but it was still obviously super sad super heart-wrenching, super, like, makes you just, like, sad about the daily parts of, like, not daily, but, like, just parts of your life where you're, like, this isn't sad until later on and you realize all these things, but the ending, of course, was very sad, and that's also something that I felt like they just grazed through so quick was, like, the end and what happens in the end, whereas in the TV show, that was, like, a very long, cautious part of the plot, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's really sad when, and I think part of what makes the ending so sad without giving it away is that it happens to so many people, whether it happens to you or to your own mother or to somebody else. Like, it's not like a fantasy that we're like escaping to by watching or reading this story. Like, it's something that happens to all of us and it's really scary to think about. So that's probably why we're all so like distraught over it. But I did really love it, um, and now Firefly Lane will always make me think of June, because I read it in June, um, but now that I'm done with it, I started my book club book, so I recently joined a book club, and our first book that we are reading together is The Maid, 
by Nita Prose, I believe. It just came out. Like, it was recently just published. I think in 2023 was, yeah, literally 2023. So, new, new book, but I really love it so far. Um, it's a classic, like, whodunit where this maid works in a luxurious hotel and all of this happens in like the first chapter so i'm not giving it away i think this is even like on the back of the book but she works in this hotel and one day she like goes into a room to clean it and she finds a dead body and i think she has to like solve the mystery before she's accused of murder because she looks really guilty um, but again, like you have to like wonder like, did she do it? And like, you're starting to meet all of these suspects and it kind of just feels like a clue board or like falling knife. No, is that the name of the book? Falling knife? Glass onion? Yeah. Yeah. Right. With Ana de Armas. Um, and Jamie Lee Curtis, falling knife, falling knives, knives out. No, I don't know. Whatever it is. It reminds me of that movie of like who, who done it, but it's, it's got me in like I'm like hooked so far I'm on chapter seven I gave I have a week to read it but I'm already like a third of the way through the book so it should be pretty easy to do um but it's not really like my what I would typically gravitate toward um but I'm really glad that we are reading it because I am enjoying it and yeah it's good so that's what I'm currently reading and then uh, I guess the last thing to talk about is Taylor Swift so if you don't want to stick around for this part, thank you so much for listening, and I'll chat with you next week. If you're a Swifty and you don't mind listening to this, let's talk about Speak Now, because Speak Now, Taylor's version, came out last week, and there's just so much to say. Starting with Kansas City, night one. Okay, I slept through this. Not literally, but I was working that night, and I completely forgot she had a show, and I, you know, I watch the live streams when I can, but more times than not... I miss the surprise songs or the surprise songs just aren't ones that like I really want to watch on a grainy TikTok live stream this deep into tour, but oh boy, did I miss the wrong night or like choose the wrong night to forget to watch a live stream. My friend Chelsea texted me at like 1 a.m. telling me just a few things that had happened at the show and because I was working that night, like editing and filming, I wasn't on social media, so I hadn't seen like anything. Twitter was blowing up. Instagram was blowing up. TikTok was fresh, like so fresh on content from this show. But I like cried so many times this night watching TikTok videos of this concert. Like first Jennifer Gardner was there with her daughter. Um, and I cannot get over how much her daughter is her twin. Um, but it's so sweet seeing her, like, arms full of friendship bracelets. And, you know, a lot of people are saying it's so random she went to that show. But do not forget, she was in the movie Valentine's Day with Taylor Swift and Taylor Lautner. And I, like, to be the audience of that show, experiencing the surprise of Taylor Lautner, not only in the mu- music video, but on on stage, I can't imagine. My head would pop off. Like, surprise after surprise after surprise. Let's just start with Long Live, because that was the first surprise of the night, right? And, okay, I didn't watch the live stream, so I could be a little bit off, and I'm just kind of, like, going off of TikToks that I've watched, but I, the one song I was dying to hear on tour when I saw 
the era show was long live. I thought there's no way she's not going to sing this. And then when it was all, when it wasn't on the set list, I assumed it would be the last surprise song of tour because it just feels like such a closing finale of like, thank you so much for this, like long live. But to just stay on stage after Enchanted and then just, just randomly start plucking the chords for it, I would have died. Like, I would be sobbing, and you can see how happy she is. Like, she waited until she owned the song to play it. And this was the first day that she owned that song, and she she didn't wait a second. She was like, it's happening. And what's really crazy is there's a part of the song where she does this certain, like, moves her hand up away from the mic and guitar and then to the side. And if you look at the original Speak Now tour, she does like the same movement. So it gave me the same feeling of when she does her little um, dance during Fearless and like jumps in a circle and like whips her hair a little bit. Like baby Taylor is still in there. And I'm so jealous that Kansas City got to hear Long Live for the first time as just like surprise in the set list. Like that must have felt incredible um and what a surreal moment like and then her and the band just starts rising up from the stage i'd be sobbing paul her guitarist who's been with her since like fearless tour who really has grown up with her like right there singing with her that song has got to be so emotional for them um so to have that happen you're already if you're at the show probably thinking like oh my god we won like this is the best show and then to have her you know, sing her two surprise songs and then announce a music video and turn it into like a movie premiere. Like the photos of Taylor sitting on stage watching her music video makes me cry. She's just so cute up there. It feels like, like you can just see the proudness coming off of her, like, like energy. I would be freaking proud too if my music video of something that I created was like playing at, I don't know, it's just, I'm in my feelings about it. Um, and then to have the live audience reaction of the music video, especially when Taylor Lautner shows up, like iconic. I'm also so glad that for the um, I Can See You music video, she brought back like everyone from Mean and like Joey King and like, I feel really bad that I can't remember her full name right now, but the girl with the stars, Presley or something. It's so special. It's so Taylor. Um, and then it just kept getting better because that was after that, she announced that she had, you know, what if we turn this into a movie premiere where the stars like came out and she had the three like, oh, what is her name? Priscilla Presley, something like that. Joey King and Taylor Lautner. Like, unbelievable that's so crazy and then that have you seen the comparison photos of when taylor lautner and taylor were hugging at the vmas in like 2009 to when they were hugging at her show that night that healed something and now you know they're like in their i think taylor lautner might still be in his 20s and she's in her 30s but like we're over like that picture i don't know it's just makes me cry because you just know the story behind it and he is like the one and only ex of hers to have gotten an apology song, to have treated her so right that she regrets ending things. And now that they're really good friends, like, it's just, if you're a Swifty, you understand. And it's so sweet. And I know that Taylor Lautner's has said that he 
regrets not saying anything during the VMAs when Kanye stole her moment from her back then because they were together, like, they were dating. And he's said before, you know, he regrets not speaking, standing up for Taylor that night. So that just meant so much more at her show in Kansas City when he gave that really sweet speech about how much he, like, admires and respects her as a human because I think part of it was, like, healing to be able to finally say all that when he regrets not saying it years before. Um, And... I don't know. It's just, like, there's something about seeing, like, teenage love heal like that and be able to be friends now. And I was talking in a comment thread on TikTok about this because somebody posted a video being, like, Taylor Lautner's wife must be the strongest person I know because if my ex, like, was hugging my ex on stage and my ex's ex was Taylor Swift, I don't know how strong I would be. But, you know, I think it makes a really big difference that they were kids when they dated and, They didn't date that long, and that was before Taylor Swift left her scarf at Jake's house, to use a nice metaphor. Um, So, you know, I think it makes a big difference that she didn't have a scarf. Like, they didn't have sex, basically. Like, I think things would be really different if they did have sex, but because it was such an innocent, short and sweet teenage relationship, I feel like it's easier for them to, like, still respect each other enough to be friends and... I don't know. Obviously, she felt really bad about that night and wishes she could say sorry and has regrets. And, you know, to be Taylor Lautner out of all of her exes, like, that is a big win because there is not one single bad thing about him that she's ever written. So, um, yeah, it was just like a crazy, crazy concert. And the content that I have seen coming out from it is incredible. Um, My favorite edit is the one of Taylor Lautner doing flips on stage. And some people might not know, but that is actually from the movie Valentine's Day. He did the exact same flips. So again, Jennifer Gardner was in that movie with them and she came with her daughter. It just feels so connected. Everything is connected. Manifest. Um, And I saw someone took a screenshot of when he was like mid-jump and he just looks like he's floating in in, in the air. Um... The, the comments on that were so funny. Um, else, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of good content on it. But what a freaking night. Um, and of course, you know, Kansas City night two, she sang Last Kiss, which if she didn't on July 8th, hours away from July 9th, I feel like that just wouldn't make sense. Like we all knew it was coming. And again, Last Kiss is one of those songs I would have really wanted to see on tour, but I just didn't feel like it felt right for the Minneapolis show. Like, I knew she wouldn't, but I really wanted it to because that is one of my favorite songs of all time. It's one of my favorite songs to obsessively listen to when I'm going through a breakup, and I love playing it on the piano. I've actually, um, what's the word? Prohibited myself from playing it on the piano because I feel like it might be a bad omen because I used to play that on the piano when I was going through heartbreak throughout my 20s, so I'm like, I can't because that, that's a heartbreak song. I don't want to jinx anything, but it is one of my favorite songs. So I'm really glad she sang that. And I did watch that live and I cried while I watched her sing that song because it just made me think of the last like 11 years or so with that song in my life and how much it means to finally hear her sing it again. So, and knowing that she owns it now, like I think I just cry knowing that she owns her own music more than any other reason. Um, But Speak Now, Taylor's version, the album, has been on repeat all week, and I'm so curious what everyone's favorite songs from the vault 
are I think my all time I mean they're all amazing but I think my all time favorite one is when Emma falls in love it's so cute I love I love the the melody the the beat of it like it makes me so happy I love the edits that people have made on TikTok of Emma Stone with Andrew Garfield I believe um and it makes me tear up thinking that thinking like if I were Emma and Emma knew that her friend Taylor Swift wrote a song about her and she describes her as the kind of book that you can't put down and Little Miss Sunshine obviously referencing Easy A but like I'm just imagining what it must have been like for Emma Stone when Taylor just randomly was like hey I wrote a song about you and played it for her I would be sobbing if one of my friends wrote a song that described me in love like that when I was in love I don't know. I think the phrase, like, she's the kind of book that you can't put down. If anybody ever called me that, I would cry so hard. Like, for a bookworm or book lover, like, that is a high compliment. And it's the cutest way to, like, describe somebody. Um, So, I think that might be my top song. I also really love Timeless. It's being kind of made fun of on TikTok, and I keep laughing because there are so many, like, whether they're Jewish or just gay, but people that have been, like, me listening to Timeless knowing that if I were caught in a crowded street in 1944, our love would be legal or something like that. Um, But, I mean, the song is really cute, and I love in the lyric video she included some photos of her grandparents, which is really sweet, and... I feel like Timeless makes for a really good wedding song, maybe even more than Lover. I don't know. Um, I also really love, oh my god, I'm still learning the name of these songs, so please do not be upset. I can't remember what the one with, um, starts with an F. No, it doesn't. I'm thinking Fallout Boy with Fallout Boy. Electric Touch. I love that. That has really good energy. Foolish one gets stuck in my head all the time. Really calling us out with that one for sure. Um, Castles Crumbling with Haley Williams. I love that song. I also love that she mentions her castle crumbling in like all of these other songs. And I love when she references stuff from other songs in her other songs. I saw these people on TikTok get really cute matching little dragon tattoos for Taylor Swift because of the lyric in Long Long Live, I had the time of my life fighting dragons with you. It made me want a really cute little feminine soft dragon outline tattoo, but I'm also wondering, like, should I add a castle in it for castles crumbling for, um, um, the other lyric in Long Live? I can't think of the melody right now, so I cannot... It's going to come to me in a second. I don't want to sing either on um, my podcast, so that would help me. Or is it just the walls we crashed through, magic we made? Kingdom lights, that's what I'm thinking of. But still, castle, like, I might want to, I don't know. There's so many that I'm thinking of now. And then um, I Can See You, it's got like the best energy like I feel like a bad bitch when I listen to I Can See You and I think it's because of the music video I guess I love all the From the Vault songs but When Emma Falls in Love might be top like number one um all of the songs like 
Taylor's version sound amazing and it's so crazy how much her voice has just matured. Obviously, she's like a 30-something-year-old woman now, so it's going to be sound really different from when she was young writing these songs. But the Never... Okay, Never Grew Up. That was, like, really fun to listen to when I was a teenager. Like, I loved it. I'd sing it to the kids or the babies that I would babysit. Um, I remember, like, rocking my neighbor's baby to sleep at when he was, like, six months old and, like, singing that song to him and thinking it was so cute. Yeah, now it's not so cute. Now it's sad. Never grow up when you listen to it at 28. I'm like, oh, this is tragic. Um, especially the line when it switches from never grow up to, oh, I don't want to grow up. And I'm singing that in my late 20s, crying. A lot of people on TikTok have said how, like, never grow up back then was about you not wanting to grow up, but now when you listen to it, it's about, like, your kids. I don't have kids to compare that to, but I think that's also pretty common because there are a lot of people in our age bracket that has kids, so now that, I don't know, it just gives it a whole different meaning, and it's very sad. Oh, and of course, we cannot forget to talk about Better Than Revenge lyric change. I saw this on TikTok maybe, like, two weeks before the album came out when it was, like, a rumor that she was going to change the, the, the lyrics, and you know what? I really love all the funny TikToks about how, like, you know, misogyny is okay every once in a while, Taylor. Like, we won't be mad if you leave it in. But I cannot stop saying... I saw some other TikToks where it's, like, Taylor Swift trying to rewrite the lyrics and it's people just making up their own um, rhyming lyrics for it. My favorite one that somebody said that I now sing to the song is I just... I can't do it. I can't sing the whole he's a moth she's holding the flame, whatever, doesn't work, I'll never do it. But one that I am singing out loud when the song is on is, um, she's not a saint and she's not who you think, she's a mattress. She's better known for the things that she does as an actress. <laughs> there was a really funny TikTok where they just swapped it and I was like, I love it, she's a mattress. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I kind of saw it coming, the lyric changed, so I'm not upset about it, but um, obviously the original was so much better. I saw, um, I saw a TikTok too where somebody was like, do you think Taylor Swift is putting off performing pictures to burn because she doesn't want a whole stadium yelling you're gay at her? Um, and everyone in the comments were like, this is exactly why she hasn't. And people think that she will not play that at all for tour because it's true I'm gonna sing the like the real lyrics if I were there um yeah I mean I think those are only those are the only two lyric changes that Taylor Swift has ever made in her music but I don't know the original will always just hit different um trying to think if there's anything else about speak now this last week that I wanted to rant about but that might be it I already told Ashton all of this, so I'm sure that he's relieved. I'm venting to you and not him. I don't know. He's a good trooper. Like, he's been through it. I've told him a lot about it, and but he's definitely not, like, into Taylor, so I don't know. He just has to be passionate about my passions or be supportive of my passions, I guess, but um, <laughs> when he came over last weekend... And he was, like, asking me about my night. I, like, basically started telling him about Kansas City Night 1. 
And halfway through, he was like, wait, I thought this was about your night. And I was like, I wa- it, it was. Like, I was watching. This was my night. But it was literally just everything I just told you. Um, but yeah, I'm so glad we've got a whole new Taylor Swift, Taylor's version album to listen to. People think that 1989, Taylor's version is coming a lot sooner than you think, we think. Um, so I don't know. It might come out this summer. She's already hinting at it, which is scaring me. But... I think that's everything that I have for this episode. It's a good lengthy episode. All right. I love like an hour and 30 minutes just is the sweet spot, I feel like, for podcasts. So I'm glad that I was able to deliver that. Um, I hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for listening. Please shoot me a message on like any platform you feel comfortable reaching me at. If anything resonated with you, if you want to chat about promos or readings or anything, Taylor Swift, Streams of Revenue, I would love if you also have multiple streams of revenue, please find a way to tell me what they are. Again, I find this so interesting and inspiring and motivating, so, and sparks ideas too for other people. So definitely, definitely let me know. Um, I've got kind of a fun week ahead, so I'm excited to chat with you next week about everything that's going on this weekend. And then I might do my daily morning non-negotiables must-haves that I mentioned earlier. We'll see, but that is coming as well. Either way, um, follow my Instagram as well as the podcast's Instagram, breaking up underscore podcast, and then McKayK17. Follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. Give it a nice five-star rating, and I'll chat with you next week. Bye!